0: Hey everyone, Ellie here, wishing you a very happy Friday. Wishing you a happy and healthy new year to those who celebrate. Although even if you don't, I guess I can still wish you a happy and healthy new year. No harm in that. Uh, we dropped my oldest child, my son, off at college this week. So I've been feeling a bit of a roller coaster, as anyone who's been through that understands. Uh, I'm not going to write about it this week. I may at some point in the future, but anyone who's had this experience, I think, probably has a sense that it's been it's been a week. It's been a week. I'm feeling some kind of way. But carrying on, as always, in terms of actual breaking news, you know, we just keep getting this rolling amount of news developments of motions. I think it's fascinating. And I do love to see how interested people are in just the way our system works. A lot of it, of course, is focused on the Trump trials. And one of the silver linings on all of this, no matter which side you're on, if any, and no matter how you're hoping this comes out, is people are really interested in and I think learning quite a bit about the way our criminal justice system works. So I'm here for all of it. I'm here with you. Thanks, as always, for your thoughts, questions and comments. Keep them coming to letters at cafe.com. Donald Trump wants to get the heck out of D.C. He almost certainly won't succeed, but you can understand why. He also wants to ditch his judge, That effort is virtually certain to fail as well, but again, he's not out of line with the request. I'm making a new rule for the sanity of all of us. Whenever we discuss any of the four pending Trump indictments, we'll take a moment first to orient ourselves. There's just so much to track and no human being can be reasonably expected to have it all at the ready. I do this for a living and sometimes I have to pause and think to myself, okay, now wait, which one is this again? To that end, Here we are talking about Trump's federal indictment brought by DOJ special counsel Jack Smith for his effort to steal the 2020 presidential election. Judge Tanya Chutkin is presiding, and she has set a trial date for March 2024. Got it? Good. Me too. Let's go. Now, Trump has formally filed a motion asking Judge Chutkin to recuse herself from the case. Recusal motions typically go in the first instance to the very judge whose recusal the party seeks, which can be a bit, well, Awkward, as my daughter would say. Trump's lawyers wisely chose not to mimic his wild public attacks on the judge. She's a hopelessly partisan Obama-appointed hack and all the rest of the predictable, tiresome bluster. Instead, Team Trump has taken a pointed but appropriate legal tack. They confine their arguments to Judge Chutkin's own words on the record during her handling of prior criminal cases of January 6 defendants, and they argue that her statements about Trump's culpability would create at least an appearance of bias sufficient to require her removal. Trump's lawyers specifically point to two prior statements by Judge Chutkin. During the October 2022 sentencing of one Capitol rioter, the judge noted that, quote, the people who mobbed the Capitol were there in fealty, in loyalty to one man, It's a blind loyalty to one person who, by the way, remains free to this day, end quote. Now, it's those last five words, remains free to this day, that matter. By any reasonable common sense implication, the judge's pointed and superfluous observation reflects her view that Trump remained free but should not, and that there had been a failure of some sort by DOJ up to that point to hold him accountable. You can't parse this one out. That's obviously what she meant. In the second example from a December 2021 sentencing, the judge declared to the defendants the following, quote, you have made a very good point one that has been made before, that the people who exhorted you and encouraged you and rallied you to go and take action and to fight have not been charged. That is not this court's position. I don't charge anybody. I don't have any influence on that. I have my opinions, but they are not relevant, end quote. Now, this one is more debatable and parsable. On the one hand, it does sound like Judge Chutkin again states her displeasure that Trump hadn't yet been charged. But then the judge does affirmatively declare that she has no view on the issue. She references her own opinion. Take a wild guess what that might be. And then she appropriately notes that that opinion is, quote, not relevant, end quote. There is some dissonance, by the way, in the judge noting in one breath that the defendant in that case makes, quote, a very good point about the failure to charge Trump. But in the next breath, perhaps catching herself, the judge says, quote, that is not this court's position, end quote. So which is it? A very good point? Or not. Anyway, now the legal bar for recusal is quite low, perhaps surprisingly so. A defendant need not demonstrate that a judge actually is biased against him, but rather, according to the law, only that a judge's, quote, impartiality might be reasonably questioned, end quote. Appearances matter to prosecutors and to our court system. If the public might reasonably wonder about the impartiality of key players, that's a problem for all. Keep in mind that recusal is not punishment. It doesn't necessarily reflect wrongdoing by any party. Rather, it's a safeguard. And there's always the next judge or prosecutor down the hall who can step in and handle a case without raising eyebrows. But here is where Trump runs into a legal wall. Generally, the federal courts have held that a showing of bias ordinarily must be based on extrajudicial statements or conduct by the judge. That is, recusal should be based on what a judge has said and done outside the courtroom and not on the judge's in-court findings. That's because it's the judge's job to do just that, assess the evidence and arguments in a given case, and draw conclusions, sometimes pointed ones. In other words, a judge's adverse findings about a person in the course of a case do not evince bias. They evince that the judge has done her job and reached the stated conclusion. If Judge Chutkin had made her comments to a newspaper, for example, then Trump might well be in business here on his recusal motion. But she made them during sentencing proceedings from the bench based on her considered judgment in those cases. It may seem like a technical distinction, but it makes all the difference here legally. Ultimately, it seems virtually certain that Trump's motion will fail and Judge Chutkin will decline to recuse herself. But we do need to be fair to Trump here. Anyone in his shoes would rightly be concerned about the judge's prior comments that seem to call for his prosecution. Honestly, if you were in his shoes, wouldn't you worry a smidge about the judge's inclination towards you based on those statements? Now, Trump's going to lose the motion to recuse, but he's not out of line to ask. And then there's the potential motion by Trump's team to move the federal case out of Washington, D.C. As of this recording, they haven't formally made the motion in court. But Trump's lawyer, John Lauro has said publicly that he would seek to transfer the case out of D.C. He said, quote, we're looking for a jury that will be more balanced. And West Virginia was a state that was more evenly divided, end quote. The motive here is simple. Get a more favorable jury pool. Indeed, Trump received a staggeringly low 5.4%. That's right, 5.4% of the vote in Washington, D.C. in 2020. That means over 94% of D.C. residents voted against him. Even I can do the math on this one. In fact, of all 94 federal districts in the United States, this is the single worst one for Trump based on the 2020 numbers. I know judges instruct jurors to put aside their political views, and that's nice and all. But take my word for it. Jurors are just regular folks subject to every common bias, prejudice and emotion. But you do have to chuckle at Team Trump's location of choice, West Virginia. Let's see, if we're leaving D.C., we'll skim right past the immediate neighbors, Virginia, where Trump got 44 percent in 2020, and Maryland, where he got 32 percent. Instead, we'll hop over to West Virginia, where Trump got a cool 68.6 percent of the vote. Works out nicely, doesn't it? If Trump does in fact make this motion, he will lose. He'd need to establish that he cannot receive a fair trial in the charging district in DC due to quote, extraordinary local prejudice, end quote. And he won't be able to make that showing here. Now, some of the January 6 rioters have tried to get their cases moved out of D.C. unsuccessfully, invoking the trial of the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing, which was ultimately sent to Colorado for trial. But those motions have failed, rightly, and Trump's will, too, if he, in fact, files it. The comparison to Oklahoma City underscores the contrast, if anything— While January 6th was a traumatic event for our democracy and the citizens of Washington, D.C. in particular, it's nothing like the domestic terrorist bombing of the Alfred P. Murrah building in Oklahoma City, which killed 168 people, including 19 children. The bombing directly damaged the federal courthouse across the street where the trial would have been held and injured several courthouse staffers. As reported by Jeffrey Toobin in his outstanding book, Homegrown, virtually all the judges, prosecutors, and other public officials who worked in the area personally knew at least one person who had been murdered. There was simply no way to hold a fair trial in that courthouse in Oklahoma City in the literal shadow of the bombing. The same visceral sense of carnage and personal loss simply does not apply to Washington, D.C. and January 6th, as traumatic as that event was. It's hard to overstate the impact of where we hold the trial and who presides. We aim for our courts to be neutral, sanitized forums where only facts and law matter. But take it from me, I've been there. Despite the formalities and the legal jargon, this is, in the end, an inevitably human process where outcomes turn largely on who's on the bench and who's in the jury box. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe and stay informed.